Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. excited because if you've been tracking with us, you know last week we wrapped up a series on the Lord's Prayer. How many of you got something out of that for those six weeks? Um, today, today, kind of going off of that and leading us into Easter, today we're launching a new series that we're calling uh, Journey to the Cross. And the idea behind the next four weeks as we look to Easter is it's beautiful and it's right and it's reverent for us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, rightfully so. But over the next few weeks, I want to invite us on a journey of what led Jesus to that moment. Uh, And more importantly, uh, I think it's a good and beautiful season for all of us to be able to, as we prepare our hearts for that great moment of celebration, be able to practice uh, four different things that we're going to break out. And the first one that we're going to talk about today is is returning, returning to to our first love, returning to Jesus. And that, as we're going to learn today, takes a recognition that we are prone to wander, as the old hymn would say, right? That, that we need to kind of retune our hearts and, and the frequency, if you will, of our radio station, right? To match and realign itself to our maker. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of returning, of, of repenting uh, as well, and having uh, just this as a regular practice of Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. We need repentance in our lives, right? We don't always get it right. Some of you are scared to say amen to that. Um, Don't elbow your neighbor. Just say amen. Um, Come on. If you're a human being, you don't need to be married to know you fall flat on your face. You make mistakes. We need moments of repentance where we're met with God's beautiful mercy and grace and forgiveness. And in this series, we're going to talk about what it is to take moments of remembrance and remembering what Jesus has done and continues to do for us. And and here's my hope with it all is that at the end of it, you come out of this with a renewed spirit, a renewed mind and a renewed sense of what the gospel has done for you. Come on, it's the gospel of Jesus that saved us, that rescued us, that gave us more than one chance, multiple chances. It says in Romans that while we were sinners, come on, I'm already preaching, help me out. While we were sinners, Christ would die for us. And and so my hope is that there would just be a renewed passion and gratitude for this beautiful gospel. And so I thought of no better place if we're talking about the gospel than to read out of the book of Isaiah. And some of you are going, well, the the gospel was presented in the New Testament, Tony. Uh, Well, I'm glad you guys are scholarly enough to know the difference between Old and New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, let me quickly give you a rundown. The Bible is kind of divided into two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And though maybe for some of us in modern Christianity, we've kind of confused or heard the message that the Old Testament's not really relevant to us anymore, it actually is very relevant to us because the entirety of the Old Testament is really pointing to this man named Jesus, whether it's through people falling flat on their faces and turning to false idols like we're going to talk about today, or whether it's people trying to save themselves and trying to do something that they can't do for themselves, or it's just like we're going to read today, straight up prophets talking about this beautiful, amazing Savior, the Messiah named Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing to him. And so today I want to read to you from the scripture in Isaiah 55. We're going to be reading verse 1 and 3, or 1 through 3, and then we'll skip ahead to verses 6 through 9. And it says this in Isaiah 55, verse 1 through 3. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And some of y'all really would love that. It's okay to laugh in church. And here's, here's one of our key verses for today. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? 
In other words, why are you spending money? Why are you looking to something? Why are you investing in something that is manufactured and doesn't actually truly satisfy? Uh, he goes on to say, the prophet Isaiah goes on to say, and, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Some of y'all really like that passage right there. Also, you know what is good? Like real butter on real steak. I don't care who you are. I just got to say that out loud, okay? Sorry. Sorry for the vegans out there. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm just giving you a hard time. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Look at this. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Let's skip over to verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And here's our key phrase for today. Let him, say with me, return. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. Come on, how many of you are grateful for that? And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's good news. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Father, because um, you are a good father that guides us and directs us. And you use your word to be that uh, lamp and that light that directs our path. And so I pray today for every person in this room and those online, God, no matter where they're at on their journey of faith, that you would speak to every one of us right where we are at, meet us where we're at, and take us to where we need to go with you, Lord. I pray that your word would uh, land on fertile soil so that we would be uh, those that bear much fruit and good fruit. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, when I was eight years old, uh, my family, we were living in Guatemala at the time, but we had family that lived in California. Uh, excuse me for saying a cuss word in Idaho. <laughs> just want to make sure you're awake. Uh, we, had, we had some family that lived in... I just offended the Californians. That's okay. You're all welcome here. Um, and and uh, it, 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 we were visiting some family in California. And I didn't speak English by the time at, at, at that time, by the way. Um, but I had an uncle who introduced me to the greatest film of all time, and that is The Sandlot. Sue me if you disagree with me. The Sandlot is one of the greatest films. Now, this isn't Bible. This is just my opinion, okay? Uh, this is just a cute story to get you to unfold your arms, okay? So don't get, you know, don't get it twisted. And um, I, I remember I fell in love with The Sandlot. And, and this two-hour movie actually took me about five hours to complete because my uncle would pause it every sentence, translate from English into Spanish for me, and then unpause and back and forth. And so uh, I, I just fell in love with this movie. And two years after that, we actually moved to the, to the United States, and I experienced for the very first time Goodwill. Come on, thrift shoppers. And so I went to Goodwill, and I kid you not, I was in the sports section, you know, where all the baseball bats and the balls and the helmets and all that stuff are at. And I see this baseball, and it is signed by Babe Ruth. I pay 99 cents for it. I bring it home, and I'm so excited. I'm like, Dad, look what I found. It's a Babe Ruth signed baseball. And some of you that are smart and wise and experienced, are already looking at me with eyes of compassion. Just like my father looked at me and he goes, where, where did you get it? I go, goodwill, how much you pay for it? 99 cents. Let's, let's take a look, son. And he grabs it, turns it around. It has like a McDonald's stamp in the back of it, you know, because it was like a happy meal thing. And it's clearly just like printed, you know, Babe Ruth's name is printed on it. And he's like, son, I, I hate to break it to you, but this is, this is fake, this is a counterfeit. And to say that I was disappointed is an understatement. To say that I was dismayed uh, was an understatement. To say I was dissatisfied is an understatement. But isn't that the truth, hear me, about counterfeit 
manufactured idols. Isn't that the truth about counterfeit gods? Isn't that what happens when we look and turn to and lean on counterfeit things? We will always be left disappointed, hear me, disillusioned, dismayed, and dissatisfied. Counterfeit idols will never satisfy that which our souls need and long for. It's interesting to me how God, through Isaiah, uses the prophet Isaiah to declare the coming of a Messiah in the midst of a people that keep turning to false idols, keep going back to their old ways. I mean, we're talking, these are people that had generations of stories of God's faithfulness, God coming through for their ancestors, God providing manna, God doing this, God doing that, yet they continue to build false idols, turn to the culture around them, and yet God uses this, this man named Isaiah, which by the way, in his name itself, Isaiah, the meaning of Isaiah is the Lord saves. And he uses this man named Isaiah, the Lord saved, to declare not only is this what the Messiah is going to look like, and this is what his life will look like, this is what his death, burial, and resurrection, but he actually used them to foretell the fact that you and I, we would continue to turn to other things. And in fact, it's foretold that he would be rejected by his own. But as I opened up in the book of Isaiah this morning, I would bet that some of you today approached this story and go, those people. My hope is that we would look at this scripture and go, not those people, but us. This is the propensity of humanity. To stray away from the reality of who God is to wander, to make our own way, to turn to false things. And it's been the history of the people of God. And today, my friend, I want to invite you to return. I want to invite you to return. Because the reality of life is this. False, manufactured idols will always leave us disappointed, dismayed, disillusioned, and dissatisfied. First thing I want to talk to you about today is about the lies that manufactured false idols sell us. Look at Isaiah 55, 1 through 5 again. 1 through 3, excuse me. 1 through 3. Wow, that's difficult to say in English. 1 through 3 um, with me again. It says this, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, he who has no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And I want to just hone in on verse two right here. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for, the, labor for that which does not satisfy? The lie that a false idol offers us is that we'll be satisfied. Is that that deep longing, which by the way, is found in every single heart, that that deep longing will be satisfied if we would only turn to this idol. But here's the truth is every idol only leaves you wanting more. Yes. Only leaves you that much more dissatisfied. Yes. Come on, you know this. This is why you reach for that extra three drinks. Come on, this is why it's just one more Netflix show to binge for yet another night. Come on, this is why it's just, it's just another new car. It's just a, a, a bigger house. It's just, and, and we know this, enough is never truly enough. Right? We're not just one vacation away from being satisfied. I hate to break it to some of you tired parents out there. Let me preach to myself for a second. We're not just one nap away from being satisfied. Maybe one good nap away from not being as tired as we are. Isaiah is actually speaking to a people um, that though he had already prophesied that pagan Babylon would fall, and it indeed did, and then he encourages the people to 
um, flee Babylon. And just track with me, fellow doctrine nerds. Um, and I'll get back to preaching in a second, but let me just teach for a quick second. Isaiah is actually speaking to a people that though they had, hear me, they had left Babylon, Babylon was still in them. And I don't know about you, but I've been rescued out of a lot. And maybe, maybe God has pulled me out of some things, but are all those things still in me? You might be here today and you might be going, well, Tony, I'm like second, third, fourth generation Christian, like my granddaddy, my, you know, that, that's beautiful. Um, have you been rescued and, and saved from something yet not recognize that it might still be in you? I mean, he's speaking to a people and he's appealing to them. Hey, you might be out of Babylon, but Babylon may not be out of you. And actually, uh, several commentaries talk about how he's actually going, hey, we're going to rebuild with this remnant that has left Babylon, but don't you dare go back to the false idols. But come on, let's get honest here. We're tempted to keep going back. Right, because they, they promise us Things that in the end only turn out to be lies. Yes, yes. What, what, what kind of lies? They, well, they give us a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Right? Turn to this and you're going to be safe and secure. And what false idols offer as security actually end up turning into bondage. True. It's not security. It's actually slavery. In fact, if you've heard me preach a message like this before, you've heard me talk about how we can sometimes build up uh, fortresses with our thoughts, right? We can be either be transformed or conformed. You guys have watched kind of as I've preached that before. Some of you, maybe you're new, you haven't seen, uh, you haven't heard me preach that message yet. But but where where Paul's actually teaching is that we can either be transformed or conformed, and that we only take down every stronghold that our thoughts build up, and we do that one by one. And these strongholds that we build, they seemingly seemingly are keeping us safe. But they're really keeping us imprisoned. And much like a false idol, uh, they offer us a sense of security, but really it's slavery. Turning to the wrong thing, turning to the wrong God, turning to the false manufactured idols offers us a a sense of identity. Let let me say it this way. It actually goes after the confusion of our very own identity. And then it tells us to celebrate it. And then it tells us to be proud of it. And then it tells us to do, do us and do you and do what you feel. And now we're idolizing self. Come on. I know this isn't, this isn't going to be a light sermon today. I'll, I'll warn you, but it'll go a lot better if you help me preach it. And, and so as these false idols tell us, you, you put your identity in this. And, and you, you can, not in what God has designed you to be. Not in his perfect plan, not in his perfect will, in his perfect design. But no, we're actually going to even celebrate now this false sense of identity. But we know this, all it does is entangle us. The other lie that false idols give us is that you're going to have meaning. You're going to have true meaning. And so what happens sometimes, and by the way, I'm not saying it's a bad idea for your young person to, for example, get into sports and athletics, but when, for example, we idolize sports and athletics, we've got these young people that they invest all these years and all their lives, and, and, and now their whole meaning is wrapped up in, I'm going to do this someday, or I'm going to go to college and do this, and then in one injury, all that comes crumbling down. And take that and liken that to any other example. That You know... My favorite one to look for, though, just being honest here, is, is like the sense of control that false idols give us. You're in control. Um, Newsflash, Tony, you can barely control yourself. <laughs> Which is why you need the Spirit of God in you to give you self-control. Notice how like the fruit of the Spirit is not like control of others. It's self-control. Come on, some of us idolize our control a little. I'm preaching myself here. The other lie idols try to sell us is that you're going to be happy. We know this, though. Happiness is fleeting. I said this to you last week. I'll say it to you again. None of us can be spared from 
our life changing at the drop of a hat after that one phone call. It may be that phone call that, that, that absolutely changes the trajectory of the rest of your life, maybe medically. Maybe it's that phone call of the loss of a loved one, or maybe it's the phone call of, of that job that was lost. Whatever it may be, we're, none of us are spared from the reality of falling flat on our face and going, there goes everything. The lie, though, is that this offers us satisfaction. But we know this, or I hope that if you don't know this, that you walk out of here today knowing this, that none of this truly satisfies. In fact, it always leaves us wanting more, enslaved more, indebted more, entangled more, and still thirsty. Second thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to false idols and the call to return to the one and only God is we must understand that when we turn to the false gods and to idols, uh, there's actually damage that takes place. And now I know it's 2024. and Some of y'all are like, man, I finally invited a friend to church. I can't wait for them to hear my pastor like tickle their ears a little bit and kind of make them laugh. Um, and we'll get there. You'll, you'll laugh in a second. Don't worry. If it's not with me, it's at me, okay? But I got to talk to you about the reality that when we turn to the wrong God, there is damage. Yes. Yeah. Exodus 34, 14 says this, You shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Um, uh, we're going to talk about this word jealous here in just a second, but would you jump also to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6? We're going to be reading verses 10 through 15. And it says this, and, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities, look at this, that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord. Are you catching this? Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Those people. No, not those people. I'm talking about us. If we are not careful, the damage that can be done is that we fall into the lie that what we have, we're self-made, baby. Tony, you, you, you don't know how hard I've had to fight to have the family I've got. Oh, Tony, you have no idea how hard I studied to become who I am and, and, and to work my way up into the job that I have. Oh, man, you should have seen me in my 400-square-foot little apartment. You see this mansion? This is all me, baby. Take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. It is the Lord your God whom you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. Come on. The culture around us. For the Lord your God in your midst is a, here's that word again, jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and He destroy you from off the face of the earth. Welcome to church. <laughs> You're like, I finally invited a friend. They'll come back. Don't worry. Can I, can I get honest with you guys? Because I haven't been honest up until this point. <laughs> that joke's eventually going to get old. Um, you know, as I was preparing this and as I was reading even just this scripture that we just read in Deuteronomy, um, I was... You know how God just has to first deal with this. By the way, this is why some of y'all don't want to become a preacher because like God deals with you first. <laughs> right. Um, I have actually found myself saying things like this. 
You know, there's some people that maybe just walked into my life just now and they see like, oh, the fruit of my kids or the fruit of like this or that or like, man, I, I wish they would have known me in, in my nothing days. Like, you know, I didn't just come out, you know, become a success overnight. Like, you should have seen me in my struggle. And God's like, oh, really? <laughs> like, they need to see how you struggled and crawled out of your struggle. And I wonder if I'm not alone in that. I wonder if I'm not alone, just like the people of God, in not being careful and forgetting where God brought me out of. Not where I crawled my way out of. Oh, come on, some of y'all barely crawl your way into church sometimes. And that's okay. Because then you get to brag on who actually pulled you out of the miry clay. That's right. That's right. Who actually pulled you out of the pit you dug. Yes. Yes. Come on, let's be honest sometimes. We're out here with the shovel begging God to pull us out. <laughs> hey, word of the Lord for some of y'all, put the shovel away. Okay. This word jealous that we read here two times, uh, and the, the Hebrew word for that is kana. It's used five different times only in the Old Testament. And, and the direct translation is to demand exclusivity. God demands an exclusive relationship with you. Now, it's not the negative connotation of, oh, I demand and you better. It's a wooing. Let me, let, now, now I always throw out some freebies for you husbands out there. Gotta help you out. Much, much like, you know how we are his bride, his church is his bride. This is what the Bible says, right? Not in a weird way, which is like kind of that, that picture that's painted. Much like a husband woos his wife into that exclusive relationship, right? He woos us into, hey, my jealousy is, is, is actually because I, I want your full devotion. But the damage that not having exclusivity with God is that it creates a separation. Come on, marriages, you know this. Things that come between us in our relationship. It doesn't even have to be marriage. Just other relationships with your friends, your family members, your, your own children. Things come, and when the division is caused, the damage is done. It's in the division that we see the damage. Oh, that'll preach right there. If we had Twitter, you should tweet that. Or what is it called now? X? Yeah, I, I looked at Jeff because he knows all this stuff. I don't, I don't know pop culture. I mean, I'm up here wearing a Mexican blanket for a polo shirt. So. Listen. So you guys were just waiting for me to point it out. And, I, and I'm going to help you uncultured folks out. It's not a Mexican blanket. It's a serape. Okay? Serape. Back to the word of God. Second service. You guys do a number to me. How are we going to do on Easter? Like, I'm coming to third service. I want to see that show. <laughs> Thankfully, they limit my time then. Um. They, who's they? I don't know. Let's, let's stay right here. Why, why, why is he a jealous God? Let me, let me give you three quick things as to why God is a jealous God. Number one, it's because it's his actual vocabulary of love. Because it's not one directional. It's, it's, he's going, the same exclusivity that I want from you, I'm giving you. This is why the book of Romans says that through his spirit, we get to now, through the spirit of adoption, it says, it says we get to cry out, Abba, Father. By the way, if you're adopted here in this room, you're one of the chosen. I want you to think about what adoption means and why, why the spirit of adoption is not just like, oh, you're just children. Why, why would Paul say the spirit of adoption? Because it, it points to out of everybody, I chose you. You, you had no family. I put you into a family. 
Do you, do, you re, do you see that? It's like he lined everybody up, and he's like, I choose you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Oh, and by the way, I don't choose favorites, but my favor is on you, and on you, and on you, and on you, and on you. The second reason why he's jealous is because it's God's way of communicating, listen to me, his absolute covenantal commitment to us. Now, I know this word covenant isn't very popular anymore in 2024. Why? Because uh, the only English ver- uh, word that we've got for this word covenant, we kind of liken to more of a contract, right? Which is like a, a legal binding document. And by the way, we've now made legal binding documents that let us get out of legal binding documents. <laughs> Have you guys noticed that? So now there's legal ways to break a legal contract. God's not that way. Hear me on this, church. He's not just a covenant-making God. He's a covenant-keeping God. So he goes, I make a covenant with you and my people, and even if they don't follow through, I follow through. Are you catching this? And the third reason why he's jealous is because if we are truly his bride, well then, as his bride, he is not only fully committed to us, but we are called to be fully committed to him. And it's in that submission, yet safe reminder that we can fall into his arms, excuse me, knowing we've given him his first and due place. But the damage that idolatry causes is that really at the end of the day, it's, it's the root of all sin. I mean, the root of all sin comes from idolatry. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Adam and Eve going, we actually know more than God. He told us what's best, but like we idolize our opinion and the confusion of the enemy more than we take his word. Sound familiar at all to the day and age we're currently living in even today? Well, Tony, I don't like idolize things. Like I don't have this shrine. I don't have this carved up thing. Okay, well, we idolize money. No, Tony, that's not me. I don't, okay. Um, We idolize the security of future money. When God's people were taught to live day by day. By the way, I'm about to start saying some things, and I'm just going to, like, let them drop. Okay. We idolize entertainment. We idolize sports. As my wife would say, sport ball. (laughs) I've tried to explain to her what football is, the real football. She just knows you kick. If I'm not careful, I idolize football. We idolize social media and those on there. Hey, have you guys ever noticed how social media has like glorified things that like were never meant to be glorified to begin with? Like, like, when did like, I, I just don't know, when did like fitness become something that needs to be glorified? Like, I'm not saying it's not good to take care of your body. Like, I, I've joked about this. Like, I'm tr- trying my best. You know, I trained for a half marathon. I had to throw in the half marathon in there. I trained for a half marathon. Got another one coming up in the spring. That's, that's good. But, like, should that be higher than God? Like, when did, like, like idolizing, like, these romantic relationships, like, we've glorified what, like, marriage should look like in the eyes of who? And so then if my marriage doesn't look like what this glorified thing, how about let's like glorify the word of God in our marriages? Um, And I just, I want to be careful with how I say this because I never want to come off as if like I've got it all figured out. Uh, And I'm I'm young in my parenting. You know, my oldest boy is going to be 15 here uh, coming up and our our youngest is seven, right? So like I get it. I, I don't have it all figured out, but... I just like a parent in this day and age. I just, I just want to submit this to you. I, I'm not sure 
there's any good that comes from putting social media in our kids' hands right now. Amen. Like, I just, Amen. I just want to say, like, and, and, and argue with me all you want, and I'm really, I'm not trying to t- tell you how to parent, but I, I just want to do the responsible thing here by telling you, like, okay, if you as an adult can barely bridle yourself on social media, let's be honest. Okay, I'll, then I'll just say that, okay? Because, no, I'm not going to just say that. I got to say a little more. <laughs> Okay, because when, and let's just take social media for a second. And by the way, it it can be a good tool. It's just like anything else that God, so like, for example, uh, let me paint it to you this way. A gift, unbridled, unsubmitted, and unmanaged becomes a curse. Uh, So, like, here's a good example that I know you guys are all going to agree with, okay? My gift is, like, to talk to people, be personable, uh, basically make a decent first impression. It's when you get to know me. I'm just kidding. Um... (laughs) And, and, uh, and so I, I've got that gift, right? But unbridled, unmanaged, and unsubmitted, I become a bull in a china shop where I don't shut my mouth. I don't let you get a word in. And after like five minutes, you're like, you're kind of full of yourself and you love the sound of your own voice. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and you won't let me get a word in. Do you get that? Like, so a gift that like doesn't get submitted under the authority of Jesus, then becomes this like an actual like a hurt thing. So social media can be good. And like, for example, we've got a great online campus. I, I think Lane and the team do a great job. It, it gets information out to you. It gets us, you know, outside of these four walls. That's great and all that. But, but the glorification, hear me on this, the glorification of collectively lowering the standard Like, I don't know. There's just some garbage out there. Like, mama deserves wine at the end of the day. What? Like, uh, dad's just ready for a shot of whiskey at the end of the night. Like, what? So, like, in order to function as a parent, that's what you're going to have to. And so, like, social media has glorified these little sayings. And so then, like, we're lowering the standard and making it okay. Okay, my wife said good word. I'm going to keep going with that. Because it actually focuses on self, right? So now we're glorifying self, self-perception, self-preservation. So I just want to ask you to be careful with it, okay? For, for your sake. So for your sake, for your soul's sake. Because we become desensitized to living outside of God's ways. And then, get, get this, and now we live in such an upside-down world that like God's ways are almost like not of this world. (laughs) Um, Newsflash, they were never meant to be a part of this world. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get off the social media thing. Okay. Where was I? Do I insert a joke here to get you guys keep, to keep liking me? Okay. Or do we talk more about my polo? Okay. There it is. If we're not careful, part of the damage is we actually forget him. Deuteronomy's warning us that when we put other things and glorify other things, we're actually setting ourselves up to forget Him. And now, hear me, church. Hear me, church. I want to be real compassionate and empathetic as I say this, but we're living in a day and age now where God is a second thought, where is if He fits into my schedule, if I have time, if I... And God's going from the beginning of time... I've wanted and need and uh, not necessarily need, but I want to be number one. And actually you need him to be number one. Self-perception, self-preservation, health, beauty, sex, romance, technology, the progress of it. All of this stuff makes for terrible, damaging idols. I don't know if it's obvious to you yet, but anybody out there desperate for an answer? I I think we need an answer for all this, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Say with me, what's the answer? 
I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Number three, the answer. Look at this. Look at Isaiah 55. Look at how beautiful this is. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. My friend, as you return, you're going to be met with a God that abundantly pardons. Yes. Yes. I, don't know if, I don't know if you're ready for some good news, but this is good news. And I understand that maybe the first half of this, uh, or maybe two-thirds of this sermon felt a little heavy, and that's okay. I think we've got to understand the weight of just how bad the bad news is in order to understand the beauty of how beautiful the good news is. And the good news is this, is that you can run home. That's the good news, is you can come home. And the reason why maybe I didn't get a ton of amens when I said run home is because some of you are going, can I drag my way home? Yes! Can I limp my way home? Yes! Come home. Return. Do it while there's still time. I know some of you are expecting me because you're good Bible scholars for me to talk about the prodigal son. It would be a great story to wrap this up with, wouldn't it? And it is. It's a beautiful story. But today I want to read to you, John, as we begin to wrap this up and land the plane here soon. I want you to go to the book of John, chapter 4. I'm going to read to you verses 7 through 14. And in this, it's not on the screen, it's just want you to read it for yourself or take notes or just hear me read this to you. And in this scripture, we find a beautiful story where I believe we find the answer to the lies and to the damage. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to get some McDonald's. I talked about McDonald's last week, too, and my wife's getting concerned that I'm sneaking junk food. <laughs> I think I'm idolizing it. I'm kidding. It's just so easy. It's on the way home. Come on, half-cut large iced tea. Y'all don't know what half-cut is. Half-sweet and half-unsweet. That's McDonald's speak right there. Anyway, I, let's get back to the Word of God. The Samaritan woman said to him, listen to this. How is it that you, a Jew, would ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? The Jews didn't just dislike Samaritans. Hear me on this. Jews detested Samaritans to the point where they would say to God, don't listen to their prayers. Straight up. Block what they're asking, God. Not only that, not only that, for a man to be speaking to a woman from a different culture, different, different background, certainly different lifestyle, Jesus is going, he's breaking every cultural law here. Almost as if he wants to send you and I a clear message. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, verse 10, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Say with me, living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The answer is found when we return to the well that does not run dry. You know, it broke my heart because the other day I was having a conversation with somebody about the frequency of like doing communion and partaking in communion. And, and these people were like, oh man, yeah, you know, can you believe some churches like do that every Sunday as if it's just like some cheap thing to just kind of offer. And I like quietly was like, we do it every Sunday. <laughs> and it broke my heart because their thing was, if you do it too often, it takes the meaning away. You know what broke my heart? I'm like, if you and I, hear me on this, are not broken, every time we approach the Lord's table and remember what Jesus did for us, I don't think there's anything wrong with the frequency. I think there's something wrong inside of us. I think, my friend, it's time, like the Ephesus church, we get called back to our first love. We return to the one whom our hearts and our souls long for. My friend, I don't want another year to go by where you just kind of celebrate Easter or kind of go with the flow of life without stopping and going, God, thank you. Because while I was still a sinner, and yeah, let's talk about the prodigal son. Why not? Because the story says that while he was still a far way off, the father saw him. Come on, that means he was looking for him. That means that father didn't sit in his lazy boy going, hope he comes through the door. No, my friend. It means every day the father came out on that porch and said, is this the day? And day after day after day after day, that father went out on that porch. Is this the day? Is this the day? And it says, while he was still a far way off. Man, he still stunk like the pig poop he was rolling around in. Come on. He still had alcohol on his breath. Yeah, I knew I'd get less amens than that in church. Come on, he didn't say to this woman, Jesus goes on to tell this woman, hey, where's your husband? He knew what he was saying. She didn't have one. She didn't have two. She didn't have three. She was on her sixth dude. He didn't go, hey, before you drink from my well, go and get your life right. Come on back. Why you still smell like pig dung? That's the prodigal son. Come on, come back while while you're while you're still come back while he still may be found. And I'm telling you, the good father that he is not only rescues you and saves you, but he begins he begins to cleanse you and sanctify you, and your life begins to look differently. I know that the majority of you in this room today have heard everything I've said and most of it isn't new to you. Just because it isn't new doesn't mean it doesn't need to be fresh. Just because it isn't new to some of you doesn't mean that it should be cheap. Come on, let's return to our first love. As we turn now our attention to a moment of response, you guys know this, that we always want to offer you some time so that you can reflect, so that you can get some prayer. So if you're in this room today and you need prayer for anything, over the next few minutes, you are free to leave your seat. And 
head to the back of the sanctuary and head over to the cross where we have some people trained to pray with you and for you. Maybe you're here today and you actually would like to start a relationship with Jesus and you've got some questions about what those steps look like or what that may look like for you. We've got those people at the back again at the cross that can walk you through it, answer your questions. And should today be the day that you choose to place your faith in Jesus, they'll walk you through that moment. Maybe you have walked away from God. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Today you want to come back. You can head over to the cross and those people will pray with you. Today I do want to focus on one thing and that is this. I believe all of us have some things we've got to give over to the Lord. I think we've got some idols that we've got to give over, that we've got to give up. I, I, I believe all of us So I want to give you enough time to be able to sit and reflect and ask the Lord, God, what are those things that I've got to give up? I want to give them over to you. And as always, communion table is open. We do that in remembrance of the great sacrifice and victory that Christ had, not just on the cross, but in that tomb three days later. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to be released to a moment of reflection and I'll come back up and dismiss us. Father, I pray now. That as we take, a time, take some time to reflect, that you would speak to every heart. Lord, make it known to all of us. What are the things that we've put before you? What are the things that maybe we've idolized, that we've glorified above you? Give us, Lord, the courage, the, the, courage, the audacity, the faith to give those things over. Give those things up. And beautiful thing is when we come and give you things, Lord, you do this beautiful exchange you give us more than we even bargained for so i pray now in jesus name that we would return to our first love that that encounter that reality that you god loved us so much that you would send your one and only son and we don't ever want to take that news for granted in jesus name amen let's take some time to respond now together Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.